Hello, and welcome to the Running for Wellness podcast. I am Eric, and I will be your host for this sixth podcast titled Building Strength and Endurance. Speed and endurance can be obtained by focusing on exercise and workouts that build strength in runners. In the late 1970s, the golden age of running began. Collegiate runners, coaches, and researchers tried their hand at improving performance and discovering the best ways to train. And then the world started to take notice. The excitement of running has exploded since that time, and millions of runners have laced up their shoes in the quest to be better, faster, and stronger. Looking back over the past 45 years, there has been breakthrough discoveries and also some utterly stupid ideas of how to maximize the time we spend running. A lot of training programs are not revolutionary, but instead evolutionary. But one training concept has stood the test of time. Strength training makes runners better. Comparatively, runners are not known for their brute physical strength. Most often, we visualize runners as being super thin, but make no mistake, successful runners possess strength and determination and work diligently at maintaining it. Pound for pound, a professional runner may rank as average when compared to the power of a defensive lineman Instead, runners are associated with speed and endurance. Being a successful runner comes down to this one truth. To increase speed and endurance, an individual runner needs to build and maintain muscular strength. This is true for the professional and the recreational runner. Today's podcast will focus on building strength and endurance. There are three essential ingredients, and we will break down each one. First, strength training second, heel training, and third, cross training. When putting them together, the end result is a runner who is stronger, healthier, and more injury resistant. Let's start by talking about strength training. This is perhaps the most intimidating and scary part of training, but let me preface the discussion that I'm not saying everybody needs to go hit the weights or they will not be a strong runner. If you like weights, then all means keep pumping the iron, but an effective way to build strength is also to involve resistance training, which can be done without weights. Instead, resistance training uses the body's own weight to create resistance while building muscle. Perhaps the oldest example of resistance training is the push-up. Multiple muscle groups are engaged as the arms push the body up and then down, and as a result, strength is built. I want to introduce you to five of my favorite exercises, which can be completed in about 15 minutes. Inside the workbook, there are illustrations and instructions provided on how to perform a variety of exercises and the areas of the body that they target. Some of the exercises may be challenging at first, so start slow and work up to the recommended repetitions. You may wish to master them one at a time and then add other exercises to your routine. The plank is a great way to build core strength, and I recommend starting with it first. The American College of Sports Medicine recommends including resistance training at least twice a week for 20 minutes or more. The first one I wanted you to is the plank. This exercise focuses on strengthening core muscles. Hold a plank position on your forearms or in the push-up position and hold for up to 30 seconds or a minute at a time keeping your hips level and your core tight while focusing on breathing in and out. 
Avoid clasping your hands together for stability. Repeat two to three times. Our second is the side plank. This exercise focuses on strengthening core muscles. Raise your body up using your forearm and your bottom foot. Elevate your hips and keep your core tight while concentrating on breathing in and out. Hold the position for 30 seconds to a minute. Switch sides and repeat twice. The third exercise I want to introduce you to is the modified Russian twist. And this is going to be different than the typical Russian twist. You are going to hold your torso stationary because when you're running, you don't shift your torso from side to side. You keep it straight while your arms are in motion. But it is going to focus on strengthening your core muscles. So start in a seated position with your legs bent in front of you. Interlace your fingers in front of your stomach, then lean back and lift your feet about six inches off of the floor. While keeping your torso stationary, move your arms from one side of your hips to the other during each repetition. Repeat 20 times on each side. The fourth exercise I want to introduce you to is the side shuffle. This exercise focuses on strengthening the IT band and legs. Squat down and shuffle in a controlled motion to one side 10 steps. Repeat to the other side. To add more of a challenge, add a resistance band around your knees or your ankles. This fifth and last exercise is called the bird dog. This exercise focuses on strengthening the core muscles and glutes. Starting on your knees, brace your core by lightly tightening your stomach muscles. Simultaneously, raise your opposite arm and leg. Your arm should extend parallel to the ground while your leg creates a 90 degree angle. Keep your abs drawn in and resist the urge to arch your lower back. In a controlled motion, lower your arm and leg. Switch sides and repeat 10 times on each side. You may have noticed these five exercises are centered around strengthening your core. The core is primarily composed of your abdominal and hip muscles. A strong core will help absorb the impact of running instead of relying solely on your legs. The stronger your core, the more stability it provides. Imagine your core as a fixed base with your arms and legs acting as levers to propel you forward. The stronger the base, the more efficient and powerful your stride will be. The second ingredient to building strength and endurance I want to talk about is heel training. Remember at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned all of the training ideas to come out of the 70s? Heel training is one of those ideas, and this time-tested approach works very well. Hills are not new, and they are everywhere, always presenting a challenge to be conquered. I recently found this anonymous quote about the benefits of running hills. Most of us try to avoid hills, but what's so good about that? Think about it. Flat tires, flat hair, flat returns, and the ultimate flatlining. Life happens on the hills. There are opportunities to prove yourself that you're stronger than you ever imagined. If you never attempt the ascent, you'll never know the thrill of swishing down the other side. Running hills provide several benefits, including an increase of strength, power, endurance, and mental toughness. There is also less impact on your body when running uphill, so it's easier on the joints and your connective tissues. Hills provide a mental workout that gives you a competitive edge. When starting up a hill, there is an excitement, and runners often charge forward with determination. But as we progress up the incline, it gets harder. 
our breathing becomes labored, muscles start to burn, and the demoralization begins. But one thing is guaranteed. Each time we conquer a hill, we are getting stronger. The strength built on the hills translates to increased strength, speed, and endurance. That shouldn't be surprising, because the accomplished Frank Shorter famously said, Hills are speed work in disguise. I want to introduce you to four different types of hill workouts with their own challenges and benefits. However, before beginning a hill workout, warm up by running an easy mile or even two. If you are new to hill training, start out slow and comfortable and allow plenty of time to recover after a workout. Maintaining proper running form is essential when powering up a hill. There are two main components when used together will greatly improve your efficiency and speed while running hills. First, stay tall and upright and resist the urge to hunch forward. Second, take short quick steps that allow you to climb a hill quickly and efficiently. By combining these two techniques, your perceived effort will be lessened and will result in rapidly reaching the top of a hill. When descending, the same technique applies. Resist the urge to take long strides or lean backwards in an attempt to defy gravity. Practice taking quick steps while remaining upright and in control. From my own experience, conquering hills results in an increase of strength, speed, and performance. There is a hill in my neighborhood about 200 meters long. Early on, running up the hill was more of a power walk and I would attempt the climb about twice a week, often feeling deflated. As time progressed, I became stronger and faster, and the hill is a reminder of that focus and determination. The first hill workout I want to introduce is a hilly course. Find a course close to home with a few rolling hills. It should be long enough to accommodate one of your daily runs. The hills should be easy to moderately challenging, but not difficult. While training on a hilly course, Run the hills at a harder effort and then recover on the downhills and flats. By using the hills as intervals, you will improve your efficiency and speed. Focus on lifting your knees while cruising up the hills to build your strength. Ease into hill training by running over hilly courses a couple times a week, increasing the intensity of your effort slightly on the uphills. The second workout is the short hill repeats. Short hill repeats can be run intensely and then slowly return downhill using the time to recover. Short hill repeats can be run intensely and then slowly return downhill using that time to recover. Pick a 50 to 200 yard hill at about a 10% grade. Run the first repeat at a lower intensity, building up your level of intensity that you can maintain for the workout. Don't sprint like crazy. Instead, Run fast, but under control, aiming for a heart rate of about 80 to 90% maximum. Beginners should shoot for 3 to 4 repeats, and experienced runners can aim for 8 to 10. If your pace slows dramatically, or your form and breathing become ragged, reduce the intensity. Relax and run back down gently. This workout is predominantly anaerobic, meaning you'll build strength and increase your lungs' oxygen capacity. The third Long Hill Repeats Find a hill that is about a quarter to a half mile long with a moderate grade. It should be steep enough to challenge your legs and long enough to challenge your mind. Run the hill at a comfortably hard pace or maybe a bit faster. 
It should take you about three to five minutes to run up, depending on the distance of the hill. If the hill is too long, the recovery coming back down will be too long. Aim for a heart rate of 80 to 90% of maximum. Beginners should shoot for three to four repeats, and experienced runners can aim for eight to 10. Lastly, treadmill repeats. Hill training can be simulated and accomplished on a treadmill. The incline button is the key to dialing up hills at whatever grade and whatever length you desire. After powering up your simulated hill, then you can hop off or reduce the speed at the appropriate interval. Remember, however, that your legs will still need some practice with the real thing if you plan to race or run on hilly terrain. Some of the main differences you will encounter on a treadmill is the lack of wind or the variations in the surface of the road. Also, most treadmills that support downhill capabilities cannot reproduce an accurate experience. Make sure to practice running downhill on the road. Doing so will prepare your muscles and joints for the real thing. The third and last section to cover is cross-training. If I have lost you while talking about strength training and running hills, cross-training is perhaps the most important and fun of the three. My logic is built on the following observations. Athletes tend to get hyper-focused on their one sport and don't make time to do anything else. Runners can't get enough of pounding the pavement. Cyclists don't want to get out of the saddle. And swimmers, well, let's just say it's tough to keep them on dry land. While being dedicated to a sport is admirable, focusing on one activity increases the risk of suffering an overuse injury. This phenomenon can be illustrated by taking a closer look at the athlete who only runs. They will develop specific muscles in their legs, but other stabilizing muscles in the legs, hips, and other areas of the body will remain neglected. This will lead to a muscular imbalance that can cause joints to begin to track improperly. This often slight muscular imbalance and improper tracking of the joints will continue to worsen until eventually, boom, they're sidelined by an overuse injury. What are the most neglected muscle groups by runners, and how can you avoid an overuse injury? By far, the abdominal muscles and glutes are the most overlooked. These two muscle groups act as stabilizers for the legs so they can do what runners love to do. Inciting Newton's third law of motion, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, which translates in runner speak to this. When the legs are in motion, an equal force is demanded of the abs and glutes. When a balance is not present, there is an adverse reaction. Moving away from our physics lesson, let's get back on track. The best way to avoid neglecting muscle groups and overuse injuries is to cross-train. Cross-training is actively participating in a variety of physical activities that are cardio-based. If once a week you can plan to swim, cycle, skate, ski, or go for a hike, you will reap the benefits. By doing a variety of activities, the entire body becomes conditioned and overall fitness levels will rise. Most sports use a combination of muscle groups, which may include the ones that are being neglected. Cross-training will help ensure the neglected ones are worked too, leaving a runner better prepared to handle a variety of challenges. Another reason to cross-train is switching your training routine. Another reason to cross-train is switching up your training routine can keep you and your body from becoming bored. Unfortunately, Many runners will wait until they are injured before they fall back onto another sport. Unfortunately, many runners will wait until they are injured before they fall back on another sport while they recover. 
you can be one of the proactive runners and start cross-training and enjoy the benefits it provides. Another benefit of cross-training is the time that it gives to different muscle groups to recover. While your legs may need to recover after an especially difficult workout, you could focus on developing the upper body. Swimming is also an excellent option because of its relatively low physical impact and high cardiovascular benefit. By now, you may thinking this cross-training thing sounds really important, but it is hard enough to find enough time to run, let alone cross-train. There really isn't an easy answer, but I can share some strategies that work for other runners in a variety of scenarios. First, the gym. Going to the gym is perhaps the optimal setting to incorporate resistance training, cross-training, and running. This is because many gyms have equipment that provides the equivalent experience as their real-world counterparts. It's also perfectly acceptable to warm up for 10 minutes on a treadmill, then spin on a bike for the rest of the workout. Many gyms are also equipped with swimming pools. Whether you set aside a day for cross-training or add variety to your workout routine, the gym can provide that experience. Also, consider your home. If you are fortunate to be able to leap from your front door and go for a run, it may also be feasible to work in a bike ride. Securing a bike route may take some extra planning, especially if you live in a high traffic area, but it will be worth the effort. An entry-level exercise bike may also work as an option. One of my favorite pieces of cross-training gear is a $10 jump rope. It's a great way to build the arms, working a lot of jumping, skipping, and other core building movements. The next podcast will be the seventh in this series. By now, you are either a runner or becoming very close to owning that title. We will take a look at the running lifestyle and explore what is possible within the sport. Also, please answer the following question in the workbook, located in the sixth chapter. Take some time to reflect and write a brief and concise answer. The question is this. How can I incorporate cross-training into my week? That's all for this sixth podcast. Be sure to come back for podcast number seven, titled The Runner's Life.